You're listening to a Fit Plus Love production. One of the things that people don't understand about design is that they think it's art and it's not art. It's just solving a problem, right? So for example, if you're, if you have a restaurant and you have a certain clientele or you have a certain price point that you want to pitch to, you have to design your assets in such a way to attract that customer base. Yes, you want things to look cool or slick or modern or whatever it is, but at the end of the day, you're just selling product. That's it. That was Jason Wright. This is Marnie Salop. Thanks for tuning into my podcast, Marnie on the Move. Each week, I will be inviting interesting, innovative movers and shakers to join me on the show and share their story. You will discover and hear from thought leaders, experts, influencers, and entrepreneurs from the worlds of wellness, sports, beauty, fitness, fashion, and more. Marnie on the Move will feature an eclectic mix of people I know, work with, and think are generally doing cool things. On each episode, I sync up with my guests about life, career, and training, and showcase their expertise and story. Welcome and welcome back to the Marnie on the Move podcast. I'm your host, Marnie Salop. This week's guest is athlete, entrepreneur, branding, and creative design pro and artist, Jason Wright founder of J. Wright Design. We are talking entrepreneurship, running your own business, especially in COVID times, his terrifying experience having COVID in early March, and how he is slowly getting back to cycling and training. Jason and I have worked together on national brand campaigns for over a decade. He is a good friend and often a sounding board for all of my cycling questions, entrepreneurial venting, and of course, he's my go-to for everything design. Before we dive in, shout out to my sponsors, Inside Tracker. Once again, quite possibly saving my health and wellness, bringing awareness to some low and high blood biomarkers just before the holiday. I got tested as we headed into the new year for 43 different biomarkers, and my vitamin D came back low, as always. My cortisol is high, not as always. My glucose and cholesterol were great. Inside Tracker is the ultra personalized nutrition platform that analyzes your blood, DNA, and lifestyle to help you optimize your body from the inside out. They are my go to for understanding my inner health, looking at my blood levels, and getting great nutritional insight. Inside Tracker transforms your body's data into meaningful insights and a customized action plan of the science-backed recommendations you need to reach your goals. Take control of your health and wellness. Unlock the power of your potential. Use our code for 20% off. Thank you, MOTM. And of course, there's a link in the show notes. Now, back to our guest. I hope you enjoyed our 2021 Exercise and Wellness Trends episode number 138. These are the top 16 rituals and routines that we have synthesized from the podcast guests throughout the year that I feel would be advantageous for you to add to your life this year. Definitely check it out. We're also re-releasing episodes this week that I talk about in the podcast in case you missed them. I see why am I. Now, back to Jason. You may have heard of a few of his well-known clients from Iron Chef Morimoto to the Culinary Institute of America or Xterra world champion athlete Leslie Patterson, luxury fashion heritage brand Lucchese, just to name a few. Jason began his career in advertising, creating campaigns for companies like Papa John's Pizza, Coca-Cola, and he has designed websites for Oscar-nominated and award-winning films. He has created design and advertisements for large corporations such as CNN and Target, as well as countless identities and other design work for clients. Today, J. Wright Design is a New York-based graphic and web design studio for a wide range of industries, including restaurants and hospitality, endurance sports, new business, and more. For almost two decades, Jason has created brand identities, websites, packaging, clothing design for clients around the world. If you want more information about Jason, head over to his website, jwrightdesign.com. I hope you enjoy the episode. If you like what you hear, leave us a review on Apple. Share this episode with your friends wherever you like to share on LinkedIn, on Facebook, on Instagram stories. 
spread the love. And as always, if you have questions for me, hit me up on email, moneyonthemove1 at gmail.com. And of course, sign up for our newsletter, the download. Okay, let us begin. Right now, a lot of brands are really rethinking how they communicate with their customers, with their audience. And for the past eight months, I think during Uh COVID, a lot of brands and personalities and companies have been really kind of doing more inward work and, you know, how they're going to communicate digitally and experientially with their customers. And I think branding and design is a huge part of that. And you've been in this industry for now over a decade working with designing and creating concepts for both digital and physical branding for companies, restaurants, athletes. How are you seeing the industry grow? Well, I'll say this. I feel like every now, I wouldn't say everybody, but a lot of people are now just playing catch up with what they kind of should have been doing all along. For example, so I do e-commerce sites for people, for example, right? And I've had a lot of clients over the past 10 years or so, and I've been hounding them, you know, you should just put the stuff up online and nobody wants to do it because they want their, their physical space or they don't want to dedicate resources to selling products that they can easily sell, that kind of thing. Right. And now when COVID came out, all of a sudden everybody needs e-commerce work. Everybody wants to sell their own stuff. And it's never too late to do any of this stuff. But it's so much harder now because everybody is invading this whole space, you know? Right. There's so much noise uh, on the landscape. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but at the end of the day, and this is what I said to all my clients, if you have a good product, it's going to get through. As much work as you put into it is is what you're going to get out of it. Right. And the the clients that that I've always worked with that always do really well are the ones that just kind of just keep plugging at it. And I will say that they also have a bunch of different sources of either income or they diversify their business in some way. So if one thing starts gaining traction, they focus on that a little bit. Does that make sense? Instead of saying, okay, you know what? I'm going to do this and it's going to work and it's going to be the best. And, um, you know, it doesn't always work out. I mean, you see a lot of like trial and error and also like, you know, testing out new concepts. And are you seeing, you're seeing a lot of people go from retail to direct to consumer? It's pretty much, I would say it's all direct, especially since, you know, like you look at all the bigger brands, you know, Amazon, for example, or, or any of these other places, if you're going to sell stuff on there, they take such a big cut right. that a lot, of, a lot of these places, if you're doing it on your own and you're selling it direct, you might not be making as much, you, you might not be selling as much product, but your income at the end of the day might be much, much higher. Does that make sense? And then the people that are also buying directly from you, they're usually buying it again. I, I guess it depends on what product you're selling and what, what you're doing, but they're right. always coming back for more because they, they like specifically what you do as opposed to somebody going on Amazon and they say, you know, I need, you know, this shirt or whatever it is. They don't right. really care what it is. Right. Um, you know, and besides the fact that if you sell it directly, then you have the marketing directly to them for future business and other products to sell and, and that sort of thing. So what platforms are brands and companies using right now to create online e-commerce stores? You know, there's a bunch of different ones. I personally prefer Shopify. Right. It's, you know, everybody, look, when it comes to all this stuff, it's, it's like saying which is better, you know, Apple or, you know, the or PC. Samsung yeah. phone or, yeah, I mean, it, it, they all kind of do the same thing. And as far as I'm concerned, when I'm dealing with clients, what I don't like to have is a client saying, this isn't working, or I don't know how to do this, or that kind of thing. Because at the end of the day, with, with my business, if they're asking me questions, that's time that, I, that I'm not making necessarily money off of those questions. And then right. at the end of the day, I, I make a lot of my money by people referring me. So if they're unhappy with the final product, then it's just, it's just bad for everybody all around. So I've, I just found that Shopify is just the easiest. It's sort of like the the iPhone of, of e-commerce stuff. Right. There's a lot of, you know, a lot of the stuff has like markups here and there that if you're a very, very small business, it's not that nice. But if you're doing okay, it's just the easiest all around uh, that I found for my clients. And are you still seeing brands looking for physical design or is everyone really just yeah, actually, right now? Su- surprisingly, yes. You know, because if you think about it, everybody is jumping on digital. So if you have other products that you either can send out directly, 
and again, this is more like promotional stuff. Right. Yeah, that really gets through, uh, especially if it's, if it's good quality, just just in terms of like uh, promotions and, and that sort of thing. So like physical products, mailings, like cards, people, there's like a little bit of a shift in the world where people are actually welcoming those kind of things. Seems like they're doing it still a lot. And, and again, but again, what I, what I found is the more personal you can get, and this is sort of like marketing 101, but like the more personal you can get with an individual, the better it is going to be for you. If you if people see it as just, oh, we just mailed this out to 10,000 people and just to see what sticks, that never works. Or it, 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 I take it back. Obviously, it works. That's why people do it. But depending on your brand, and, and when we're talking about brands and we're talking about products, a lot of this stuff just depends on who you are and what you're selling and what you're doing. Let's rewind to like, where did J-Wright Design begin? And what's your background in branding and design and entrepreneurship? Yeah, so I started, so I went to Emory in Atlanta, and I actually started out, uh, you know, the, the initial idea was I was going to go into architecture, and I didn't particularly like it. So instead, I went into advertising, and I got thrown into an agency where I was doing uh, creative director level work because they fired half the staff because uh, they lost one of their biggest clients. And so I was doing work for like Papa John's Pizza and, and a bunch of other companies that are very high profile. And I was making commercials and billboards and just doing a bunch of stuff that, that I didn't find very fulfilling. So I went back to design school. I got my master's at Pratt. And that's when the, the dot-com thing happened and the bubble burst. And all of a sudden, I was way overqualified for a lot of jobs and way underqualified for the higher level jobs. So I just moved back to Atlanta and started my own company and never looked back. That's, that's kind of how it all began. And at that time, we were doing a lot of like flash work. I don't know if you remember flash, flash. Adobe Flash. Yes. Yeah. So I was doing a ton of flash work. I got a lot of clients in the movie industry. Doing website design. Yeah. So I was doing Academy Award winning, winning films. And, and then I had random clients like, for example, obviously in Atlanta, doing like air munitions for police officers and stuff like that. So so the range of my clients was like just all over the place. But obviously at the time, my biggest clients were, were the movie industry because that that's where it was at. You know, a movie came out all the time. The company that I was working with kept me in business. It was great work. It was fun work. And we all got to be super creative. And then that industry kind of blew up, which goes back to sort of what I like a lot of my clients too. And designers starting out and this sort of thing. I had all my eggs in like one basket, that movie basket. When that went away, it kind of, it puts a kink in your business, right? Right. So from that lesson, and then we take it to today, right now I'm doing a lot of work in the restaurant industry. And when this COVID thing happened, obviously the restaurant work dried up, but I learned my lesson before. So I diversified. So I'm kind of, I kind of made it through all that stuff. And I, I know we might get to the COVID stuff later on, but just in general. So I, I've spanned everything from clothing designers, musicians, triathletes. Yeah, I mean, everything. Like I've done it all. I've seen it all. I've, you know, I've been all over the world doing what I do. I think it's really interesting because, I mean, we met way back when on while working together on a campaign for the really – for the world famous cowboy boot brand Lucchese. Oh right, right with Lucchese, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, yeah. it was so great to work with you. And I think you know when I think about, you know, everybody always tells you you have to have a focus, but then like they also but say that right. But then what having happens? Having a job when the focus is a safe away. place to be too. So well, well, but I mean, yeah. you, so again, if you look over the span of my career, like I said, I started out in Flash, and I was. I mean, I was winning awards with you know, some of the flash work. I was in, uh, needless to say, there was plenty of work. And then Steve Jobs came along, invented the iPhone, and then all of a sudden flash is done. So yeah. now you got to have to, so then I had to reinvent my entire business. But it was okay because as a designer, like you were saying, everybody tells you you need to focus and specialize and do that kind of thing. But as a designer, the, the same principles apply to so many different things. And Getting my background doing Flash stuff, I had obviously um, scripting skills. So right. I was able to translate that to just building other websites and then e-commerce websites. And then on top of that, I just like I consider myself a designer first and a programmer or website designer second, because if you could design, you could kind of do anything that you want. And again, as an entrepreneur, if you don't know how to do it, you can always just hire somebody to help you with it. 
And that's kind of how I take my business or I take my business this, this entire time, you know? Yeah. I mean, and you work with a lot of entrepreneurs too, to help them with their business. I think- Yes, I've made, I've made them lots of money. Which is, uh, <laughs> I think yeah, design so is a really, yeah. is like as an entrepreneur, as somebody who works in marketing, I'm constantly putting content out there. Design from the perspective and the classic background of design, I don't have that. And obviously I work with you <laughs> at a certain point when you're an entrepreneur, you have to say, okay, there's just certain things I can't do and I wanna build a team to help me put my message out there and be successful. And now, I mean, there's so much out there that you could be accessing as a designer, right? Like all the different apps and platforms. Yeah, oh yeah. I mean, what are you seeing? Well, I'm seeing two things. So the first thing is it's, it's a great time to be a designer but it's also a terrible time to be a designer. And what I mean, what I mean by that is, if you are trained as a designer, or you you go on that route, you will always find work. There's always work to be had because basically you can't have a business at this point without having a designer to help you along the way, right? Yeah. Some clients are obviously they're able to do it, and that that's great. But most clients can't. The problem with being a designer is most clients think they can, and <laughs> which is. Which is cool. I mean, look, look, I, Sorry. I, again, there's a lot of bad looking stuff out there, and, yes. and, but at the end of the day, you're trying to sell product. Right. And the, 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 one of the things that people don't understand about design is that they think it's art and it's not art. It's just solving a problem. Right. So for example, if you're, if you have a restaurant and you have a certain clientele or you have a certain price point that you want to pitch to, you have to design your assets in such a way to attract that customer base. So it's, yes, you want things to look cool or slick or modern or whatever it is, but at the end of the day, you're just selling product. That's it. So this isn't like your personal wardrobe, right? You're, you're designing specifically for a specific, specific purpose. So you and really have not, to know your customer. Pretty much. I mean, but sometimes, again, sometimes I've had clients where they try to target a specific customer, but then you get the exact opposite. So for example, I had this place, well, I don't want to get too, too specific, okay. but it was a place in Midtown and they had a, a specific clientele that they were trying to at attract. And it was more like local business. A they restaurant to get, like, in Midtown? Go, yeah, there's a restaurant in Midtown. And they were trying to get local businesses in sort of the neighborhood and then people to come in for happy hour and that kind of stuff. And the whole crowd just, they didn't want it. I, I don't know if it was the price point or the, the cuisine that they were sort of selling, but mm. they just got a completely different crowd. So, the, so they just shifted their marketing materials. They just shifted to how everything looks and how it works and they became successful. I mean, again, the COVID thing came up and so they're out of business, like half of everybody, instead of saying, well, why aren't we getting these people? Why aren't we getting these people? They just go, oh, well, we'll just focus on these people. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it makes total sense. I mean, they were able to quickly pivot with their marketing. Yeah. So what are some of the things that you, like when you sit down and have like a first session with a client, what are the questions that you ask them? Because I know you're a designer, but you approach everything from the perspective of a creative director, from a branding perspective. Like you're not yes, just- Yes, yeah. Yeah, so tell me a little bit about your process. Yeah, so I would say, you know, step one, obviously I have them just describe to me what their business is about, right? And over the years, I've, I've realized that there's two types of people where one knows exactly what they want and where they want to be at. And the other one where they have an idea of where, where it's going, but they don't know how to articulate it, right? And I would say my most successful projects were more of the second type where I help them develop the business in such a way where they're able to articulate specifically what they want to do. Part of what I'm doing as a designer, like I said, is just solving a problem. So if somebody comes to me and says, I need a design, but they can't tell me what problem they're trying to solve. We're not, we're not really doing work. I'm just creating pretty pictures, which is, again, it's fine for some things, but for the most part, if you don't know where you're going and what, what you're trying to solve, you're not, you're not going to get it there. So like before right? someone comes to you, they should like really have a sense of like who their audience is, or they should be hiring you for a different scope of work. It's a lot of that. I, I would say they should know who their audience is, where they're going to sell it, how they're going to sell it, how much it's going to cost, how much they want to make in, in the first year, second year, you know, fifth year, that sort of thing. Um, if, if anybody comes to me and their plan is, well, I'm going to do this and then I'm going to sell the business, it's 100% always going to fail. Like every single time it's always failed. Like I have this idea for an app and I'm going to build it up and then I'm going to sell it every time it fails. 
And the reason why it fails is because their goal is to sell it. Their goal isn't to make an, make the app do whatever it does. Does that make sense? Or, yeah. or, 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 or I want to sell the best product. That's not their goal. Their goal is I'm going to make a product that somebody else is going to buy. And I, I'm sure it happens. It just doesn't happen in my experience. Are there any big trends in design that you're seeing? It's a good question. I don't know. I would say, trend, you know, generally I'd say with trend stuff, I try to avoid it as much as possible mm-hmm. just because if if you're following the trends, it's only going to last a couple of years. Uh, I, I'm, I'm more conservative when it comes to that stuff. It's sort of like if you have a proper business set up, it's going to work. It might take a little bit more time. I would say in terms of trends, not really other than other than the fact that, for example, and again, I just keep using restaurants because they're the easiest. It's the easiest example for me to to talk about. Yeah, so I work with the, the, the Culinary Institute of America. It's a school, obviously, for, for students. So I do a lot of work with them, specifically in their, their food and nutrition programs. Mm-hmm. You know, So, for example, we do this, this, and again, COVID put a kink in a lot of this stuff, but you know, it was an annual event. Uh, it was called Menus of Change. And what that affects is the, the, they, they sort of help direct uh, every aspect of uh, the food providers, uh, what it, for example, like restaurants or suppliers or whatever, and how to create a healthier sort of population. Does that make sense? So yeah. for example, um, if let's say, uh, you know, you could take chickens and throw them in a, in a, a, uh, on a farm and jam them full of antibiotics and you'll get a ton of big, big chickens, but it's not necessarily um, healthy for the population. Right. So they sort of help guide restaurants, like let's say a McDonald's or you know a Chick Fil A or something like that. Help guide them and say, hey, you know, if you stop getting these chickens that are loaded with antibiotics, you're one of the biggest purchasers of these chickens. The farms will stop creating these, you know, massively uh, drugged up chickens, and the industry will change. It'll be better for the population. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, so they do. They, I didn't they, know that they did that. That's really great. Yeah, so they're doing stuff like that. They look at, for example, water, sustainability of water and stuff like that in terms of beef consumption, guidance for nutrition. Like if you think of the old nutrition pyramid that they used to have, right? Yeah, they're sort of, it's, we have new guidance is sort of 25 principles that we put together. And, it, and it's what everybody knows, you know, eat more vegetables, eat less meat, you know, that, that kind of thing. Right. But it's a global initiative. It's a, it's a very interesting thing that, that I'm doing. And then it goes to just chefs, you know, steakhouses or whatever. You know, Iron Chef Morimoto is one of my clients. So, you know, working with him, it's totally different than working with the CIA. Right. The type of work is, is just different. And then, I, for example, I, I had another one. I'm working with the, the Teaching Kitchens Collaborative, which is basically like, let's say you have a university or a hospital, Right. They set up what's called the teaching kitchen to sort of teach people how to cook, or it teaches chefs how to create dishes that are more responsible from a nutrition standpoint, that sort of thing. That's really interesting. Yeah. So, so if you had, let's say, diabetes or something like that, and you go to the hospital, you might be cooking a certain way for you, for you and your family for your entire life. And this, is, you sort of work with insurance companies. So... If you learn how to eat better, you're going to be healthier for the rest of your life. And so it applies to schools and medicine and a bunch of doctors working together. Um, so these kind of initiatives are great. Yeah. The initiative is through health insurance companies or it's just... No, it, no, no. no, no, no. no. Okay. I'm just saying in terms of like, you know, you look at how, what our health insurance costs are, right? Right. You could, you could give them medicine or you could teach them how to eat better. Right. And I think across the board, if people are eating better, we're going to have a healthier population. And that's right. sort of how this all comes together. Right. I mean, that must be awesome for you to work on because it's right in your wheelhouse. I mean, you're a total foodie. You love cooking and you also eat fairly healthy. And, uh, I would say I'm, I'm, no, you're, you eat very healthy. (laughs) Well, I'll tell you after this whole COVID thing, I mean, I'm, I'm eating super clean. I, I was eating pretty healthy before, but again, you know, it's hard. So I've, I've had Michelin star, restaurants that I work with and you go in and it's, you know, foie gras and caviar and, you know, just, just stuff that's not healthy, but ridiculous. delicious. No, but it's just so great. I mean, it's, yeah. it's amazing, amazing food. And the stuff that they make is just, it's, um, it's, it's incredible. And the, the, the places that have gone and the food that I've gotten to eat, has just been unbelievable, but it's like, it's not always good for you. 
But it's okay in moderation. Uh, yeah. And, and again, you know, you go back to the CIA, the menus have changed. One of the things is, you know, if you're celebrating or there's a reason to eat the food, you shouldn't feel bad about it. Right. You know, it's just kind of like, uh, yeah. yeah, if you're working out or training for a triathlon, if you don't have like, you know, they call it a cheat day. I wouldn't even call it a cheat day. But if you have a day that you're just like, you know what, I'm not, I'm not worried about it. Mentally wrapping your head around that is it makes it makes the stress of training, the stress of, of just making weight or whatever you're trying to do so much easier. I mean, and you should know because you're an avid cyclist and have been participating in endurance sports and working with athletes your whole life. Yes. Basically, you're a cyclist. So, yeah, I was going to say, and, and that's also part of it, too. You know, uh, all the cyclists that I know and triathletes that I know, you know, everybody eats like like so much food, right? Yes. And you think that you could just go out and then go and eat, you know, hamburgers and pizzas, whatever it's going to be. And it, it's just, it's just so bad for you. Right. You know what I mean? I mean, it's like putting, uh, like having a, a really luxury car and then like filling it with like cheap gas, you know? Yeah. Just garbage. It's just garbage. garbage. Yeah. And, and I think I, I would say though, that everybody's done that to some extent. Yeah. You, know, you go on a ride, if you're riding a hundred miles, it's you, you're kind of like, you know what? I don't care what I'm eating. You just eat it. Right. And that's fine. But, you know, as you get older, it all catches up. You know what I mean? Yes, it does. So. I am currently experiencing that after the last eight months. And we're totally going to talk about COVID. You know, I used to eat such crap before I started doing triathlon. And when I started doing triathlon, I started eating, like, really good food. And that's kind of been my diet for, like, 10 years. And in the last few months, it's like, yeah, I'm, I've a little bit, I've relaxed a little bit about my diet and it's obvious. So it's all no, good but though. You know what? Listen, so yeah. you know, I was talking to uh, Walter Willett who works for Harvard and he's part of that menu as a change. And we were sitting at dinner and it's like the head of nutrition. And, you know, I was just asking about it and, and he's sort of like this old, you know, Gandalf type guy, you know, just wise. And he doesn't really say that much, but when he does, it's like, you know, four words and it's just perfect. But his whole take is just, look, if you, you just do everything in moderation, you don't have to kill yourself. You don't have to do anything. If you're working out, you don't have to go crazy. It's just, that, it's just this, it's an even balance. You know, if you like to eat steak, you know, I know a lot of people, you know, everybody's going on a sort of vegetarian kick, which is really good. And he himself, he doesn't really eat much red meat. But you know what? If he's out to dinner and somebody's serving some red meat, he's not going to say, oh, I don't eat this and, and go away. You know, he'll have a little bit, but eat mostly vegetables and that sort of thing. So it's just, again, I'm not like the nutrition champ. I shouldn't really be you know, lecturing anybody on, on what to eat. No, or but what you're a real person who is also like very athletic and you had COVID. And so you're yeah, definitely yeah. wise to nutrition and eating healthy. And I'm sure also, you know, balancing it out with some other stuff. So it's totally cool. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. And I've also, and again, I've also seen, for example, I've seen chefs that have gone from 250 pounds to like lean boxer types, you know, and I see what they do. And they you go from eating garbage and then they go just eating clean, clean, clean as much as you can. And that's it. That's it. And, and, and honestly, all the business people that I know that are like that, every, it all relates. You know, whether you're an athlete or in business or whatever it is, if you work out and you eat clean, it's just your whole life. It doesn't always fall into place, but it makes your whole life easier when, when, when you need to do things. Does that make when sense? When you're in stress situations. Yeah, you know, and it's like if you're eating garbage food and you're not working out, when those stressful situations come, you just you can't handle them or you can't rise to the occasion or more often you just give up, which is kind of like, you know, then it goes back to the cycling thing. If you're on a hundred mile bike ride and you have to get home, you can't give up, right? Right, because so you have to get it, home. But yeah, but that's the thing, you have to get back. And I think it, part of why I... You know, I like endurance sports is that whole thing is that you have to endure, right? And if you're able to ride 100 miles, let's say, doing something for work when you don't want to do it, it it's just kind of whatever. You just kind of do it. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes yeah, like having a work thing nothing. You've been an entrepreneur over two decades, your whole life. Yeah, 20 years. You and I always talk about the ebb and flow of being an entrepreneur and having your own business and a small team and like flowing with clients and 
not having a lot of clients or having a lot of clients or, you know, just all the balance. I mean, over the years, I think, you know, what are some of the big lessons that you've learned besides nutrition and endurance sports that like are really things that have been tried and true for you having been an entrepreneur your entire life? Yeah, I have. I I mean, I have a bunch of them. I would say first diversify to the point where if, for example, as a designer, for example, right? If you have one client and that client goes away, you're in a, you're in big trouble, right? So diversify your clients, diversify your markets. So for example, like I said, uh, I was doing all flash work that went away. I didn't learn my lesson. And then I, you know, and I, at the same time too, the movie stuff all went away, but eventually I did learn my lesson. And so when this COVID thing came around and all, all the restaurants are now not really doing that much work, I have enough other business that it, it's keeping me. It, it's basically, I'm doing just as well as I was um, before COVID even happened. Right. You know, and then eventually, yeah. The re- yeah and the restaurant clients, they're going to come back. I mean, they have to come back. Right. You know, they will. They're going to go reinvent. away. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, and they're being creative and doing all that kind of stuff, but it's just not the same, not the same thing as what, what I've been doing. Right. Um, but, you know, and then when they come back, now my business is going to be even better. You know, does right. that make sense? Yes. So I would say that that's a big thing. Diversify is big. I would say if you are starting out, I would say, you know, obviously network, you know, I, I, I want to try to avoid the, basic one like networking and yeah. all that stuff because obviously no, I think that diversify stuff is, is a good one and especially like now right like after like any lessons we may have been following or advice we may have been following before covid like you know now what it's like yeah no i know so okay so then also part of it is save and don't spend i mean right it, it, it's sort of like you know when you're an entrepreneur you want to do everything yourself because you don't want to you don't either you don't either have the money or you don't want to spend the money right on let's say hiring a designer or hiring a program or whatever you're like oh i'll just learn it myself because i'll read let's say like a tim ferris book or something like that and like right you could do it yourself or you could just hire it out for nothing you know and the reality is good people cost money and you can't do everything on your own right yes. so you just figure out the stuff that you can do on your own do that on your own and then hire out for the other stuff. I mean, that, right. that's sort of simple. But if you don't have the, the money for it, it's really important to save money. Because, for example, this COVID thing, you know, I came down with it. I came- Yeah, I mean, okay, you so, had COVID. You know, like, what did you do? Yeah. Well, I almost died. So that's <laughs> that's one thing. Yeah. But so I guess that, that's what I didn't do. I actually <laughs> found out that you had COVID on Instagram from your wife because we had been talking. And then, you know, like you and I were like, we'll like talk. I don't know, like every yeah, couple of weeks. Good. And then I didn't hear from you. And I was like, huh, I wonder how Jason is. <laughs> yeah. So so let me give you a little background. Yeah. And too, because, you know, I, I went through it. And when you go through something yourself, you don't realize what the perception is externally. And so, for example, I had an, a friend of mine that I actually did work with. You know, he found out probably six months after I had it. And he couldn't, you know, he couldn't believe it because. You had so it really bad. Yeah. I had it really bad. So I had one of those cases and if anybody's an endurance athlete, they should definitely listen up because this is sort of a thing, I guess, with endurance, endurance athletes is that, you know, they're figuring out that COVID is more of like an inflammation issue. And if you're riding a lot or, or, or wearing yourself kind of thin, it affects your body and it kind of like just blows up for, for lack of a metal, medical term. But your, your body basically attacks itself and it's just this, this whole storm of just crazy stuff that goes on. And you just go down hard. So to put in perspective, this is in March when they were saying, don't wear masks. I don't know if you remember when yeah. Dr. Fauci was like, don't wear a mask, doesn't do it. So I went to the grocery store and some fucking asshole came up behind me, coughed all over me. And, you know, I shaved my head. So I, I felt all this spit all over my head and my neck and everything like that. And you know, like four days later, I just started, I got a cough, you know, it was no big deal. Yeah, I just thought it was like allergies or something like that, you know? Yeah. It was, it was, it was bad, but it wasn't like anything, you know, it wasn't terrible. And uh, in fact, I was setting up calls and conference calls and stuff like that for the week after. And then just one day, it just, bang, just got killed. Headaches, lost sense of smell, started coughing, uncontrollably coughing. And then about, you know, I'd say day 10, day 11, it was terrible. I took a shower and I just stopped breathing went to the hospital and it was like war zone. I mean, it was, it was absolutely horrible. 
Right. And I, I saw people dying and I saw, you know, a guy, you know, pregnant woman came in, had to be ventilated and a guy, you know, was thrown up all over the place. I mean, it, it was, it was a horror, it was like a horror movie. Like in the movie Outbreak, it was exactly like that. Wow. And yeah. And, and, and I'm, you know, I'm sort of torn now that I went through it all because knowing all my clients in the restaurant business that are getting absolutely destroyed and they're losing everything that they ever worked for and telling them to close down is difficult to say, but at the same time, I went through it and almost died from this thing and we shouldn't have that either. So like, I don't, I don't know what side I'm on with, with right. either one of these things, Right. but, um, but I'll say this, you don't, you don't want to get it. Uh, right. and especially as an endurance athlete, cause you know, like I'm in shape and I'm, I'm youngish, you know, it's like, I'm not in any of the demographics. And I, I, I mean, right. I really like you're very healthy. You're incredibly fit. I mean, you were doing like major rides, like three, four yeah. times a week. You're yep. on Zwift yep. all the time. Like, yep. Yep. And you eat healthy. Yeah. And, I, and I got destroyed. So, so I basically went from being healthy to, I mean, I couldn't even walk down my driveway for like a week and then after that I could barely walk around the block and I'd say it took a good four months till I could get just on the trainer again right and then after that I'd say it's about another four months to get back to where I was so and are you yeah. back like from you're talking about like from fitness shape and... I would say fitness shape but I'm I'm not I'm not back anywhere near to where I was but again I'm also not you know, I'm not doing major rides yet, you know, cause it's winter time now too. Right. So I'm not, I'm just kind of, I would say the biggest lesson from this. And, and also now I know a lot of people that also had it bad. It's just, you want to get back into it, but it's not like a cold and it's not like the flu and you just, you don't get back into it. You just, you, you got it. You have to take your time. You just have to. Yeah. Did you feel like when you had it, you were like, using your sort of like endurance sports entrepreneur like mentality to try to get through and it just like crushed you and you just couldn't. <laughs> this is what it felt like. Have you ever bonked on a ride? Yes. It's like, okay, so it's like this. You like you're like, oh I could do this. I could do this. And you're going up a mountain and it's a hundred degrees out, let's say, right? Yeah. And you're like, oh I could do this and there's no problem, no problem, no problem. And then you get out there and you're like, I, I can't do it. And your whole body just shuts down and that's it. And it's a wrap, you know, and it's you have wrap. to stop. Yeah. Except the rap part is like your entire life. So again, like I was saying, I was in the shower. And and there's another thing also with COVID. If you have it bad, don't take a hot, steamy shower. It's the opposite of what you should ever do. I right. found that out later. Oh, my God. But yeah, I was like, this, this is And it. your whole this family got it, right? Like your wife, your daughter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they weren't as bad yeah. as you. They didn't have no, it as my bad daughter, as my you. Daughter, no, no. My daughter had a headache for a day or two. Right. Um, my wife actually, she, she got it. I'll say this. If I didn't have it bad, I would say that she had it bad. Wow. Does that make sense? So and she you guys was are young. Oh. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so she had it for like a month, you know, but it wasn't wow. bad. It wasn't bad. It was more like an annoying cold for about two or three weeks, let's say. That, that's kind of what she had. But right. it's worse than most people that I know that have it for like, you know, a day three days. or something. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's nothing. Yeah. You've done a ton of research and you've talked to a lot of doctors and you a doctor in your family and scientists. Yes. So like, what are you hearing? What are you seeing? Like what's happening? Um, I'm getting, <laughs> I'm getting mixed, <laughs> mixed signals. So I know you're not a doctor. They, yes. Well, no, no, yeah, that's right. I'm not a doctor. Don't take my advice. Blah, 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 whatever. You can take um, some of your advice. I do. I do but, it with a grain of salt. <laughs> but what's weird is, you know, doing what I do. I also know a lot of people that are in a lot of different industries. Right. And I know a lot of different people that are in positions of, authority where right. they can make recommendations where somebody else it's just sort of like conspiracy theory stuff whatever yeah. and you know uh the vaccine came out and uh I, you know I, I don't know how quickly they're taking the vaccine you know the, I, there's a perception that these they have been rushed and who knows who knows how it's all going to turn out you know what i mean so would but you have gotten I, I would, it if you knew about it before having co now that you've had COVID? Or I, just like, would I have gotten the vaccine? Yeah. Would I have gotten it? Yeah. yeah, I would. Yeah. Yeah. No problem. Yep. No problem. I would. But a lot, like I'm saying, the people that work, for example, for some of the uh, medical companies, they're mm -hmm. they're just sort of hesitant about it. But right. they're also the type of people that are very cool with all the restrictions and shut the world down and shut them all down yeah. because they're also getting paid whether it gets shut down or not. So it's right. kind of like. You know, you know, and 
not to get conspiracy theory about all this stuff, but it, it, there is something to that. You know, if you have a profession where you get paid, regardless of whether you get shut down or not, of course you're going to say shut it down, right? Right. But right. if your whole life is wrapped up into customers coming in to your, like a restaurant, let's say, it, it, it doesn't matter. Most right. people that get, get the virus, they're fine. Right. Like, and by fine, I mean, it's like the easiest cold you ever had. I know people that had a headache, like I said, like my daughter had a headache. That's it for like a day. She is 14. So I, you know, I don't know. I, and it's not like I'm solving this problem, obviously. Right. But, no, and you had it really bad. I mean, I, obviously, we all know people who have died, and we also know people yeah. who have not died. And I just, I honestly, like, the way I feel is that I don't want to know. I don't want to get it, and I don't want to be, like, one of those options. Yeah. So I also feel horrible for all these businesses that have shut down and for people who have, you know, built their whole lives around their business that have lost their customers who can't open their restaurant, who can't open their fitness studio, who, you know, have different occasions, their gyms and retailers. I mean, it's horrible. It's horrible. It's horrible. Oh, I mean, 100%. Yeah. like, like I, I, you know, I, but I also think like we do have to, there has to be a way because I think it's a two year thing. You know, I think in two uh, it, years we'll be in the, it's clear. always been a two year. It's yeah, always, it's been, always a been a two year thing. thing. So, so, so when this came out, actually I was in, in a, I don't want to say who, who my family or anything like that, but um, it, it was it was a person in, in the know. This came out, uh, I guess it was December or November. It might have been November. Right. And he said, oh, no, this is going to be very bad. And I poo-pooed the whole thing. Like, mm -hmm. oh, this is another swine flu. Oh, the swine flu or something like that. Yeah. Right. Which, by the way, that turned out to be pretty bad. We just didn't have it bad here. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought it was just going to be a, a nothing thing. And it, it really was, obviously, it's something. It's hard. I, I'd say as an entrepreneur, like I said, you, you were saying, what are some of the things I would recommend? Having the financial cushion, it makes it a lot easier when you're lying in bed for two weeks because you can't walk or talk or do anything. At least you know that you don't have to worry about where your next client is coming from. Right. If you have money saved up. Right. So at least I, I was going to say, if I made it through not dying of the virus, I could at least have, I got at least six months a year easily to, to worry about where is the next client going to come from kind right. of thing. And it turned out it was fine. You know, it turns out it's How fine. are you mentally? Like, and I know physically you couldn't get back into shape and you're still working on that. Um, but like yeah. mentally, were you able to like pull through after you sort of recovered? A few weeks into it mentally mentally it was like this i didn't die right so anything is better than that right so that's that's kind of where i was and honestly getting back I, I wasn't rushing to get back on the bike or any of that kind of stuff because i was like it, it wasn't like what's the point but but the reality is you know as like an endurance athlete you do it for fun right i yes. mean at the end of the day you're doing it for fun well i i take it back well let's put it this way you could do a half an hour 45 minutes on the bike and that's for like your health, right. but anything over than that is just for fun right. or whatever you want to call it, I guess. Like going on a hundred mile bike ride isn't, it's, it's a different type of fun, right. but fun is probably, I don't know. Anyway, I like the word the fun. <laughs> I mean, I, I do these things for fun. Like exactly. Like I go and I have, I've only gotten up to 75 though, but I know I could do a hundred, but <laughs> Like, you can I, easily do 100. Of course. I just have to, it. It's more mental than physical because it's mentally I just don't like where I would have to go to get to 100 and I don't want to ride, you know, 20 loops in Central Park. But yeah, I mean, I could right, do 100 Right, right, right. Yeah. Well, but again, it's, it's, you know, if you're absolutely miserable on a bike, like for example, I, you know, so my brother also rides. So he lives out in San Diego. He got me into riding initially. Yeah. Yeah. He lives in San Diego and he got me into riding. And now in San Diego, actually, they have this ride called the uh, Belgian waffle ride, which is, it's, it's, it's like a half road and half dirt sort of ride. And, you know, I'm in New York. So, the, you know, I'm not prepared for any of these hilly mountain rides, and I'm certainly not prepared for the sun and the heat. So I went out there and it's just, I got wrecked, you know? So yes, it's fun, but you're also, it's fun after. It's not so much fun during, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's like any adventure. <laughs> I guess so, I guess. So, so adventuring is fun, right? That's what Sartre said. An adventure is fun in retrospect. Yes, yes. And it, and it's it's so much more satisfying yeah. than let's say the fun fun you'll have 
at you know a party or something like that. I mean, it's yeah. just a different type of. Fun. It's a very rewarding Whatever. kind of fun. Yeah, but at the, so so just getting back to it, my mental space after not dying was that I don't have to do any of this stuff, and then all of a sudden this. You know, everybody puts pressure on themselves to to accomplish certain things. And if you don't do it, you're like, oh, I'm a piece of shit. I didn't go out for a ride. Oh, I should have went out. I should have done this. I shouldn't have eaten that, that kind of thing. Yeah. And um, you get caught in this sort of loop. And I think when you don't die or something happens, like, you know, whatever, let's say you have a kid or something like that, you get a new perspective on life to some extent. And I'm not saying I had this big revelation or anything like that, but all the pressure was taken off of me. I don't have to get on the bike. I don't have to do this. And I'm just going to get back to just doing normal, fun stuff. And, you know, I think we, we were talking about this too. I'm yeah. doing more free weight stuff and kettlebells and, you know, that sort of thing. And having a little bit more balance between just the cycling and working out. And it's like the extra couple pounds I wanted to get rid of, they're gone, you know, oh, that's that great. kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, it's fine. So it's, it's just a balance. That was kind of what happened to me when the COVID quarantine started and there were like the terrifying reports and everybody dying in New York and being in New York City. Like I was training for triathlons and running races and it was don't go outside. And then you go outside. And it's like, don't be near other people. And then there's people running on the bike path. And just for me, I was like you in November and December, I knew this was coming and I was already parano yeah. paranoid and I'm generally paranoid to begin with. So like <laughs> that... <laughs> Just, you know, it took everything in me to not be paranoid and just to go out for a run. And I had to like just take a step back and get a different perspective. And I was watching one of my friends, her husband was dying. And I was sitting here thinking and complaining that I couldn't go out for a run. And I guess I kind of had this moment where and I hadn't talked to you because I, I didn't know you were also like on the downward spiral with COVID. Yeah. yeah. But I had just been hearing and watching the news. I had to stop watching the news and... I had to really dig deep to get back outside in that time. And I really, I really couldn't even like, you know, I was on Zwift, which thank God for Zwift and my yeah, copy trainer. Zwift. Yeah. I mean, you're, and you're on Zwift too, right? Like you're, yeah, I know. I love I, it. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually, I, you know, and if you want to talk about, uh, let's talk about Zwift for a second. Okay. So, Cause that's like, know, thank it, God for Zwift. That's what I want to say. Well, but, uh, but I'll say that it's, it's that, um, uh, a bunch of people that I know also have a, like a Peloton mm -hmm. bike, you know, and they, they go on that. And, and look, I've been, I was using Zwift when it was in beta. I don't know how many years ago, years three and years, years and years ago, like three, More than four. That. No. It's like, okay. I want to say six, five, six years ago, something like that. But before smart trainers even existed, to be honest. So yeah, they, uh, so I've been using it for a long time. It just, um, you know, it takes a certain type of person. If you like a video game yes. type situation, it's great. So for me, I, I love that stuff. Again, you know, I'm on computers all day. It's fun and it's it's a way to be inside. Whereas I used to put on like, you know, a bike race or something like that and try to keep your mind off of working out because it's not outside. Outside there's cars and other things you can, you know, distract you. Right. But inside it was just, for me at least, it was absolute torture. And uh, uh, yeah, thank God for Zwift. Thank God for Zwift. Yeah, I mean, it got you know? me It got me back to training. And then I just kind of like, you know, wrap my head around like running outside and having a different, like a more fun approach to training as opposed to like, you know, goal focused training. It was great. But I do say like, thank God for Zwift because, and you got, you're the one who got me on there a couple of years ago. I do have the CompuTrainer. So it is very antiquated trainer and I will upgrade to the Wahoo. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You got to level that up. For sure. I know. I know. Sure so now you're back on Zwift and you're riding again, but like yes. not at yeah. the level where you were. So like, what are so, you doing? Are you going outdoors? Like what's the deal? Yeah. So, so to put in perspective, you know, I was, I don't know, it's bad form to give your, your, your FTP. I'm not going to give my FTP, but let's put it Why this way. Why is it bad form? Cause it's really I, good. You just, you just don't do it. I don't know. My FTP was, you know, 7 million. So there you go. No, but let, shut up. Yeah, look, my I, FTP I, is like really bad. So I'll tell you my FTP is like a no, hundred. It's a hundred. I'm 104 well, pounds and my FTP is a hundred. But that's my point. You're 104 pounds, right? So, uh, you know, maybe one five. 170. Yeah. yeah that's what I'm, saying. I'm 175. So, you know, uh, suffice to say, I've been riding for a long time. 
my FTP was about, you know, 300 Ugh. and it was pretty good. It was, yeah. like, for me, it was pretty good. And, you know, but I ride with other guys that are like, you know, FTP is like, you know, 390 and it's just, it's, it's ridiculous. But after COVID, my FTP was like 125 and I couldn't get that up for about a month, you know? Wow. And, 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 and it's just, you know, back in the day, if I was going to be something, I would be a sprinter, but that's, that's where I'd be. But that was the first thing that came back was my you know sprinting ability if you want okay. to call it that yeah um but then it, but it, but the endurance stuff it, t- it takes it just took so so long so anyway so my, my ftp is getting back up there so Good. about yeah. yeah about 250 now that's great so, yeah but it's what is it nine months later yeah you know and and, and to put in perspective the, you know a friend of mine he's a coach cycling coach and i was asking him about this and I was comparing it to like, if you had cancer and chemotherapy or something like that, how long would it take? And he said, he coached two people that were, that were on chemotherapy and they came out, came back to what their FTP was in about two months. Wow. So just to give you a perspective of how, if you have it bad, like I had it, how it just wrecks you, you know? Yeah. Did you slowly get back to Zwift? Like, did you do it like, like a few minutes a day or back to cycling and it was, it was more, it was more like this. So, so one of the things is it's just fatigue. It's, it's fatigue. It's like, it's like, um, getting mono, like Epstein bar, you know? Right. Okay. It's, it's just, you go, I would say I was able to go three days working out and then I was wrecked for, for the next day, like wrecked as in sleeping all day for the, for the next day, Wow. you know, all day, all day long. And then, you know, and then I go a week and then, you know, the eighth day I'd have to sleep and then you know it just extends out like that right um but but now i'm fine you know but it's just it's just hard getting it hard getting it back into that schedule of uh physically being able to work out every day hard um you know and you do the easy days or whatever but just it's it's the longer endurance days that are the most difficult right i can imagine i mean and now have you gone outside at all or you're not yeah the first ride back is great got a flat tire Within probably five minutes, I was like, fuck this shit. I'm going back on Zwift. But yeah, I've been going, I've been going out, but not much. Again, it's winter time. So it's kind of, you know, they're just kind of noodling around rides, you know? Right. You don't do any serious riding in the winter. Nah, I'm going to start up again in the spring. And plus, I mean, so again, now, whether I have immunity or not, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But, um, but back then too, you know, I, I have a bunch of friends of mine, they're all riding and stuff like that. And I was in the hospital. Like you don't want to be in the hospital with COVID patients. Like you just don't want to be there. So I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying don't ride outside, but you're taking an added risk right now, at least. Um, although I don't know the state of what the hospitals are are like now, but I I, I personally wouldn't right. want to go to the hospital. Uh, you know, back then. God back forbid in, you get you know, like hit by a car or fall off your bike or something. Like you don't want yeah, to end up I mean. in the hospital. You yeah. don't want to be in the hospital. You just don't want to be there. That I mean, was. It, it's just like yeah. That's where the, that's where it is. You know. So, yeah. but then again, I have a lot of friends of mine that are all doctors and they're all protected. And I actually I don't know any of my friends that are doctors that that got it, even though they're dealing with patients and right. you know intubating patients and stuff like that. They, it's really not know, being the, careful, I think, and not wearing you know like having it, people uh, breathe not, on you. Yeah. But I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, man, uh, there's also a stigma related to it. Yeah. It's nothing to do with being careful or not. It, 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 I, I mean, it, it's like this. You could do what you could do, right? Right. And if you get it, you get it. It's kind of like if, if you got the flu, nobody says, oh, you weren't being careful. You're, you're such an idiot. You should have been safer, you know? But if you get this, everybody, the perception is that you've, you, you screwed up somehow. And right. it really isn't the case. I mean, you could get it from anywhere. Like I said, I was in the grocery store. And someone sneezed um, on you, basically. And some, he, he, he coughed on me. I mean, he, he literally came up to me and coughed on me. Even if he was wearing a mask and I was wearing a mask, I'm pretty sure I would have gotten it. Right. Just, it, it was just that gross of a just, just thing that he did to me, you know? But again, it's like the guy was sick. He didn't mean it. You know what I mean? He didn't like know it. Kind of yeah. He didn't know. Nobody knew. So you don't ride in the winter. I'm riding in the winter, but it's probably going to end at 40 degrees for me. I used to. So again, you know, when I started out, I used to ride. I mean, I used to ride in the snow. It was like, it, you know, it's fun. It's fun. But, like, you know, when you run a business, I have a 14-year-old. I don't know. I don't really want to get hurt. You right. know, I have an aversion to that, to that now. I, I, I used to really not care 
So um, as you've gotten older, you're a little bit more savvy about going outside and riding on the roads well, and, you know, all those well, things. Well, it's kind of like, yeah, I, well, it's also, you know, like I've seen friends of mine break the collarbone, shatter their hips, uh, you know, all the all the things that you can wind up doing. And I don't necessarily want any of that stuff. Right. So, you know, I just want to be as safe as possible. And actually riding in the winter is probably safer than anything because you're really not going that hard. And especially in New York here, it's all potholes and it's sort of skinny roads. And it's not like this wide open spaces that you have in San Diego, Utah right. or in those places, you know. So, you know, spring and, and summer riding actually is probably a lot more dangerous. But I don't know. That's what the trainer's for. And like I said, Zwift is fun. For yeah, me. I like so, Swift. I have to get back on. Yeah. I haven't been on because I really have been like using every opportunity to go outside that I can on the bike and because I'm going to miss it when it gets cold. I love being out yeah. on the bike. You know, I'm on the bike path and then I do ride on 9W and yes, say there are so many situations that are so dangerous, but at the same time, it's there aren't a lot of potholes on 9W. And no, 9W is great. Not, yeah. in, in compared to where I live. Yeah, no, where you live, it's like great. all narrow yeah. roads and there's no shoulder and it's very hilly and nice, but yeah. like it's beautiful. It's beautiful, yeah. but it's not necessarily safe unless you're going at you know six in the morning. And right. six in the morning in the winter is just not when you're gonna go. No, so it's dark. That, it's that's cold. why. Yeah. 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 Last question, since we're on the topic of training and COVID. You recently had your heart and lungs checked post-COVID experience to make sure there was no damage. How did that go? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the other thing, too, you know, because there's always – so, like, like I said, I have a lot of doctor friends of mine, and, and they've seen some horrific things, uh, including, you know, double lung. Yeah, yeah post-COVID. Like, you know, my doctor was telling me about um, a girl who was, I think, in her 20s or something like that and needed a double lung transplant and stuff like that. And so I'm obviously freaking out because my fitness isn't coming back. But yeah, got everything checked out. All good. Knock on wood. So, awesome stuff. Yeah, knock on wood. Yeah. So there's life beyond it. But like I said, don't get it. You know, and and, and you can really, like, you just, really do get fucked up from this virus. You don't want to get it. You yeah. just don't want to get it. Your advice would be just to like stay inside. Just, just Yeah, just stay inside. Like, what's a big deal? Stay inside, I mean, ride on Zwift. <laughs> look, next year, I'm not saying everything's going to be fine next year, but people are going to get vaccinated and, and half the population is already going to have it by then. Just, yeah, just chill out, man. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's all. You don't have to travel. You don't have to travel. It'll, it'll be fine next year. And now what's so, your uh, what's your handle on Zwift in case people want to, like, find you and race you? Oh, I change it all the time. I'm going to change it back. Why? Yeah, I would say, Were you, just, like, um, getting, like, gaming stalkers? No, this is what it is. No, because I, so I have so many clients of mine that oh. also do it. Oh, so, so you don't want them is, to see you. Yeah, so, like, if you know, if I'm – quote unquote, supposed to be working on their, their project, but they see me on Zwift, they might say, well, why is he doing this? That kind of thing. But the reality also of being an entrepreneur is that you don't have to work from nine to five. I mean, I, I do keep nine to five hours, but for example, I mean, we're, we're talking right now, what time is it now? Like one thirty yeah. in the afternoon. I should quote unquote, should be working on another client's project, but, it, but I work for myself. So that's the one thing that if you are, if you work for yourself, you have to learn to take advantage of the opportunities that you have, which is not having a boss. And if you want to go out and go surfing in the middle of the day, go surfing in the middle of the day. If you want to go for a bike ride, go for a bike ride. And, and I, I would say I come up with the best ideas ever. Uh, I usually go for afternoon bike rides around four o'clock. Mm -hmm. That's when I concept all my, all my ideas. So yeah. I basically have a whole day worth of work. I get frustrated with whatever the work is or client stuff or whatever it is. I get on the bike and I have some creative issues that I need to go through. I get on the bike, I work them all out, write them up, write them down, and then I work on them the next day. So, yep. yeah, so that's it. But yeah, it's J Wright Design. I'm going to change it back. Okay, so change that's J Wright Design is your yeah. Zwift handle. That's it. All right, so um, I'll see you on Zwift. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Jason. This has been so much fun. We kept it clean for my listeners. <laughs> did we keep it clean? I don't well, know. You I said a couple curses, but I uh, I didn't. <laughs> but I didn't. I didn't. But know that's we clean. Uh... No, it's not G rated. But it was. I mean, it could have gone off the rails. Let's just say that. Like yeah, it could have gone. I would, I would agree with you. I, I I put on my business voice. Yes, but... I like that. I like but... that. Yeah. <laughs> that's great. Well, cool. All right. Yeah, awesome. no, it's great talking to you. Peace. Thanks again for tuning in to Marnie on the Move. 
If you like what you hear, leave us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts. Follow us on social at Marnie on the Move for Facebook and Instagram and Marnie Salop on Twitter. Head over to our website, MarnieOnTheMove.com for more info on this episode, links in the show notes, and of course, sign up for our quarterly newsletter, The Download, to get updates, deals, giveaways, and information on future events for 2019. I want to hear from you. Email me, MarnieOnTheMove1 at gmail.com and let me know what you're enjoying, what you want to hear more of, If you have questions for our guests, just reach out.